Welcome to Forming the Spirit Within, a podcast for spiritual formation. I'm Pastor Brad Riley, and in this podcast, you'll find a collection of Bible studies, sermons, and discipleship classes I've taught over the years. My goal in each of these episodes is to help equip you as you seek a deeper understanding of your faith as an apprentice of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining me on the journey, and I pray this podcast is a blessing in helping to form the Spirit of Christ within you. Thanks for listening. Uh, Last week I started in the church Wednesday night, and I didn't know. I'm I'm excited to do that. I want to do it in the sanctuary at the church, where I've got a whiteboard and I can write on it, but it's just too cold. I didn't want people to be tempted to get out and drive over there and... So be on the watch. If you've been joining us on Sunday mornings for worship at 9.30, our liturgy at 9.30, may well be doing it right here in in my home because they're talking about snow and below zero actual temps. And so I'm thinking, I just would not want anyone to get out and be unsafe. But we'll still have church one way or another. But keep a watch on on the website, on uh, Udall United Methodist Facebook and Brad Riley Ministries. I'll post on both of them to make sure that those of you who want to join us on Sunday morning can join us at 9.30 for worship. This Sunday is the Sunday of the Transfiguration. I'm so excited. I've been preaching about the foundations of our faith. And this Sunday morning, I'm going to preach about the Eucharist, the Holy Communion, and how that is so foundational to our faith with Christ being the light of the world. Um, So, that's a little commercial, shameless plug there for Sunday morning. But I'm going to go ahead and turn this down just a little bit. It's just so pretty. I'm going to go ahead and turn that down. And and I, I want you to do something with me tonight. Have your Bibles, have a notepad with a pen or pencil, uh, get a drink. You know, usually I have coffee, uh, but in the sanctuary, of course, I, I don't like to do that. But but here tonight, I've been kind of working. I was a little thirsty, so I got a bottle of peach tea, uh, Benner peach tea, and it's delicious. Uh, my throat gets a little raspy when I talk a lot, so I'm gonna have that. Have your favorite coffee or whatever you would like on with you, and I want to begin by praying with you. We always pray the prayer before the study of Scripture. The prayer of St. John Chrysostom just so beautifully lifts us up. But but I want to even, I will do that, but I also want to read to you this being Wednesday night and, and uh, evening prayer, you know, Bible study. I used to do it in the mornings. But this is, hey, I have a visitor. Wow. Come here. Come here, buddy. I have a visitor that wants to say hi. Come here, boy. He snuck into my room. This is Buddy, our 13-year-old poodle. (laughs) Hey, Cindy, good to see you. Buddy's a 13-and-a-half-year-old poodle who's actually a grumpy old man now. I'm surprised he even let me pick him up. But uh, you got to leave, Buddy. You can't stay in here, okay? But he's a pretty quiet dog, hopefully, unless somebody rings the doorbell. So if anything goes crazy, it's because he he hears a doorbell. But I want to draw your attention to a beautiful prayer tonight before we study. It comes from the Book of Common Prayer, and it's part of the order for evening prayer, evening prayer worship. And and there's two prayers. I want to read them for you. I want them to just kind of fall on your ear. While you're looking for this prayer card, which is under photos on Brad Riley Ministries' 
Facebook page. If you look under there, you'll see the prayer before the study of Scripture. I'm going to invite you to pray it with me out loud when we get to it. But this is called, it's an ancient prayer, and it's called the Fos Hilaron, which is actually means, O oh, gracious light. And this is that prayer. And then, and then I'll follow it with another ancient prayer. Kind of put us in the mood of making our Bible study an act of prayer and worship tonight. O oh, gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven, O oh, Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, now as we come to the setting of the sun and our eyes behold the vesper light, we sing your praises, O oh God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for you are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices. O oh, Son of God, O oh, giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. Almighty, everlasting God, let our prayer be in your sight as incense, the lifting up of our hands as the evening sacrifice. Give us grace to behold you, present in your word and sacraments, and to recognize you in the lives of those around us. Stir up in us the flame of that love which burned in the heart of your Son as he bore his passion, and let it burn in us to eternal life and to the ages of ages. Amen. Just a, just a couple of beautiful prayers to kind of set the tone for us tonight uh, from, from an evening prayer service. And then if you have your prayer before the study of Scripture, then uh, let's pray together. I'm going to turn this down now. Would you pray with me? Illumine our hearts, O Master, lover of all humanity, with the pure light of your divine knowledge. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may understand your gospel teachings. Implant deep within us the fear of your blessed commandments, that through them we may conquer all carnal desires and may be transformed to live both thinking and doing the things that are pleasing to you. For you, O Lord, are the light of our souls and bodies. And unto you we give all glory and praise, together with our Father, who is from everlasting, and the all-holy, good, and life-creating Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Thank you for praying that prayer with me. And uh, if you, I have it in the form of a little prayer card. If you want that instead of what you've got there or something, I'll be happy to mail one to you if you drop me a note or email me. I noticed that uh, Sandra said, hi Sandra, said, oh, he doesn't look too grumpy. He doesn't. He looks like a sweet little boy, but boy, when you touch him, when he doesn't want to be touched, he is grumpy, which is, he'll jump right up in my lap and look at me with those little eyes. And, and the minute I go to pet him, he'll growl at me. That's how grumpy he is. But hey, we all get grumpy at times, don't we? Well, open your Bible. So Luke chapter nine, we're going to start Luke chapter nine tonight. This is a great, great chapter. We're going to look at nine verses is what we're going to start with. And uh, we're going to call your attention to, I want to welcome all of those who will be watching this at a later time. Got a lot of people that just can't tune in live when it's happening. Nice thing about this, the videos are always there. Uh, they get watched a lot later. We also have uh, a, the podcast. I, I go ahead and post these to my podcast and it's all caught up, believe it or not. Uh, with the Gospel of Luke. 
even as last week's on there. And that's called Forming the Spirit Within. You can get that on Podbean. That's where I host it. It's a website, Forming the Spirit Within, or you can get to it through your favorite pod player on, on an app, on an iPhone or whatever. But uh, Kimberly Kirkhart, hey, it is so good to see you. Thanks for watching and joining us in Bible study tonight. We're just about to crack open the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. I'm going to read the first nine verses before we study. And the title I've kind of given this tonight is The Mission of the Twelve is the Mission of Us. Now, as I wrote that, I thought to myself, that's probably not even correct English. I never know when to say it. It just kind of sounds good, though, The Mission of Us. I don't know if that's proper or not. If somebody on here knows better English than me, if it's not proper, go ahead and tell me because I, I want to learn. Uh, it just sounded better than to say the mission of the 12 is the same mission for us or for what we need or whatever. <clears throat> but I want you to be thinking about that. Jesus, we're going to read about how Jesus sent his 12 apostles out on a mission. Crystal Gray, thank you for joining me tonight. Wow, it's what a privilege to have you here. Uh, Crystal and I went to high school together, uh, so not meaning to tell on your age, Crystal, but she looks a lot younger than I do. Um, great to have you with, with us tonight. And again, anybody that would like to uh, ask a question through, as, or make a comment, uh, whatever, as we go through, I'm monitoring here, so hopefully we can get to them. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Uh, Crystal will remember maybe a teacher we had in high school. His name was Mr. Aiken, a biology teacher. I had him for biology, and he used to always say, uh, he had this, he said, questions, comments, additions, complaints. Well, I never complained in that class, but I had a whole lot of questions. <laughs> Jennifer and Tess, thank you so much for joining us. But uh, there's no such thing as a dumb question. It, it does us no good to study the Bible if, you go away not understanding and having questions, and you don't have to agree. You know, if I teach something that you just don't agree with, I'm, I'm not God, I'm not Christ, I'm not, not, not anyone that has the authority. We're going to talk about who has authority tonight. Not anyone with the authority that you should have to believe me uh, in some way. So, um, but listen to the Holy Spirit. If what I say makes sense, do a little due diligence on your own. But keep an open mind, because if we're ever going to be that prayer that we prayed a few minutes ago, the prayer of St. John Chrysostom talks about being transformed. I love that thought, because this Sunday is the transfiguration of Jesus. I mean, this whole idea of being transformed, that's what we're called to do. And we cannot be transformed into the likeness, ever-increasing likeness of Jesus Christ if we don't have open minds. So, keep an open mind. Ask me a question. Let's talk about it as we go through. Here we go. Chapter 9, verse 1. And I'll be reading, as always, from the Revised Standard Version. Some of you wonder, why does he read from an old-fashioned version like that? That's tucked away, because it's tucked away in this nice book called The Ancient Christian Commentary on Scripture. This is filled with commentary from the early church fathers. Some of the smartest guys that ever lived the Christian faith. In fact, they knew the Christian faith from the beginning. So I always like to check and see what did they think before we look at some modern interpretation and make sure that it stood the test of time. So here we go. Verse 1. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. 
and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. We'll stop there for tonight. Next week, it'll go on and we'll talk about the feeding of the 5,000. But this is enough to, uh, to really sink our teeth into tonight. So, let's go back to the beginning at verse 1. And let's, let's notice a couple of things here. As, as usual, I'm going to share a few Greek words with you because I want us to understand the dynamic, not that you ever have to remember them, but to, to understand the dynamic of what the Greek language meant and why I believe God, in the fullness of time, in his infinite wisdom, brought Christ into the world in the era of the Greek language being the lingua franca of the world. That means the language of all commerce. Uh, because it, it's a language of incredible subtle nuances. It means the depth of its meanings can vary. It has many different words sometimes for things that we would just use one word, and we'll talk about that tonight in English. And so if we read it in English and we just see the same word used over and over, but yet don't realize that in Greek it's being used differently in different places, then we're missing quite a bit. And Pastor Rod Thielander, what a privilege to have you on here tonight. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so beginning with this first sentence, Jesus is calling the 12 together. And he's sending them out. Now, this, this word that it says, he sent them out, that's the third word in verse 2. He sent them out. This is where we get the name apostle. The 12 were called apostles. This, they have been singled out to be special and different from all the disciples of Jesus. Jesus had many disciples, but only 12 apostles at this point. We'll see that he actually has a few more apostles as time goes by. But, theoretically, we always think of the 12, which, of course, soon become 11 because of Judas' betrayal, but then we have the Apostle Paul added back in. So, the 12, in this case, is not with Paul because he hasn't come around yet. But this includes Judas. Keep that in mind. This includes Judas. So, Jesus, it says he sent them out, and, and I want you to pay careful attention, that he gave them power and authority. Let's think through that with me for a minute. He gave them power. Let's talk about that word for power. The, the word in the Greek here is dunamis. Dunamis. It's D-U-N-A-M-I-S, in case you're taking notes and want to. And Buddy's back to see us. If I giggle, it's because he's back and I, don't, I can't hold him on my lap all night or I'll, I'll never get anything done. Sorry, Buddy. He left. Um, 
dunamis. It, it's the word we get the English word dynamite from. Okay, so we can share power. I, you can power is an English word that can be used many different ways. You know, you can have the power to do something means you have the ability to exercise some practice or, or decision-making or whatever. But in this case, the word here is to indicate that he gave them mighty power, dynamic power, like dynamite power. And along with that power, he gave them authority. So he didn't just give them power, he gave them authority. That's a very important concept here, that these apostles now have on this mission He's sending them out into the Galilean countryside. We're still in Jesus' Galilean ministry here in chapter 9. He's sending them out to the Galilean countryside with divine power. Jesus is literally sharing his divine power with them. And he's sharing his authority with them. That's huge. We're going to talk about, before the end of the evening, we're going to talk about, I'm going to come back to that word authority. So... Because I get, I have ADD sometimes and I'm all over the place, I'm going to circle that word and point down here at the bottom of my notes because I want to be sure and come back to that word, authority. What does it mean that Jesus shared his authority and his power? Well, what did he share his authority and the power to do? He, he says that he gave it to them to have power and authority over all demons. Imagine how, imagine how Satan was uh, shuddering. When, when this began to happen. I mean, this is amazing. Hey, Jonathan, good to see you tonight. Thanks for joining. The demons had to shudder. And, and in this process, it says he gave them power over all demons. There's, that means over Satan as well. And to cure diseases. The RSV says to cure diseases. Now, I want you to look at that word cure with me. Some of your versions might say something different, might use the word to heal. Uh, but this word, this Greek word cure, cure, is actually the word therapuro. Therapuro, it's T-H-E-R-A-P-E-U-R-O. Therapuro, what does it sound like to you? It sounds like therapy, doesn't it? Therapy, therapeutic, that's where we get the English words from. So it's, it's therapy, Sue, thanks for joining it's therapy, but it, it's therapeutic. What does that word mean in the Greek, therapuro? It actually means to restore something properly. Literally means to restore something properly. This is really important. So in curing a disease, they're restoring something in a proper way. Okay, back to its good health. But I want to talk about that as different from the essence of healing which we're about to hear also. Rhonda is tuning in. Hi, sweetheart. Thanks for joining me. So, as we look at that verse, it goes on to say, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God. That word preach is a word in the Greek called keraso. Keraso. K-E-R-U-S-S-O. It's pronounced keraso. And and that literally means to preach, to proclaim mightily. Not to just share a message, not to just give a message, but this is where we get the preached word with power again, power and authority. So he's called them to preach what? To preach the kingdom of God. And we have to understand 
we have to get our mind around tonight. What did Jesus mean when he told them to go and preach the kingdom of God? Because it's a wholly different thing, much greater thing than just sometimes what we think of that uh, an evangelist, let's say, you know, myself, I'm actually, besides pastoring in a, currently in a United Methodist Church, I'm also a registered evangelist uh, by the Church of the Nazarene. Um, my calling from the beginning of my ministry, however many years ago that was, in the 90s, was always to be an evangelist. I can remember the first day when I enrolled in ministry studies and I looked at my district superintendent, uh, Dr. Ed Nash, a uh, dear friend, and, and I, I did a little card to fill out. I said, what, do you, what is your call? And, and most guys would, were putting pastor, you know. My calling was never really to be a pastor, although I love being a pastor. My calling was to be an evangelist. An, ev- an evangelist is a different calling from a call to pastor. And you could be gifted and skilled at both, and God helping me, I hope I am. But the call to evangelize is the call to preach. And the word evangel, okay, in the Greek, euangelion, okay, and I don't have that one spelled out for me, so good luck with it, E-U-O-U-A-N-G-L-O-L-U-O-L, give up. Um, but the euangelion, the Greek for the evangel, that's the good news. That word literally means good news. Okay, now he's telling them here, he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God. And believe me, the kingdom of God is good news. And we think of it as just this, it's been, it's been narrowed down to this one phrase in evangel, evangelical. You get the word, hear the word evangelical, evangel. Uh, it all comes from that word for the the good news of the gospel, the word gospel, okay? And even though I know, I realize that the word gospel is not right here in this passage, and I'm not trying to say that it is. I'm talking about the essence of preaching the kingdom of God. And in preaching the kingdom of God, the good news isn't just what it's been so much narrowed down to. It's been narrowed down in our world today to this, this two words, Jesus saves. To preach the good news that Jesus saved. Amen, hallelujah, Jesus does save. But there's so much more to the kingdom of God. Saves from what? Saves to what? Saves how? It's it's a huge thought. And we're going to peel away bit by bit as we study the gospel of Luke. We continue. We will see more and more of that here. Uh, I'm just... Every now and then I look down because I don't want to miss any questions if you have any. So feel free to jump in with any or comments uh, or, I guess, complaints and additions. You can do that, too. Um, So the essence of the kingdom of God, I'm going to give it to you tonight. Okay, it's not it's encompassed in the thought that Jesus saves. But it's it's specifically what we see happening in this sending out this mission of the twelve. And as you know, my title tonight is The Mission of the Twelve is the Mission of Us. And it is found in this word. The essence of the kingdom of God is healing. The essence, let me say that again. The essence of the kingdom of God is healing. It is you and I, or you and me, 
Don't I always get that one wrong too. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Pastor Rod. Thank you. God bless you. It is healing of you and me, not just to be saved, not just to be saved from sin, but to be saved to the glory of God and the life of God, life in the kingdom of God. They're going out to preach that there's a whole new life has come. It's life in the kingdom of God. And life in the kingdom of God is a place of healing, a place of restoration. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this because this is, we've got to get this message out there into our churches. We've got to get this message out there. We've got to start preaching again the kingdom of God. It says, Kimberly S. Wagner wants to be in your video. Kimberly, I don't know what that means. I've never done that before. Type it to me here. Tell me what you want me to do. Um, The kingdom of God is healing. And healing is not, let's take just a moment. Healing is not just the curing of a disease. Now, we're going to have a whole lot more to say about that when we get to Luke chapter 17. One of my favorite stories is found in Luke chapter 17 when Jesus heals the 10 lepers. But I don't want to get ahead of myself because we've got eight chapters to go before we get there. And, and the way I study the Bible, that could be a long time because I'm only doing nine verses and, you know, I do short segments at a time. But, so we're going to see it. We're about to see it in verse two. There's a difference. We don't have to wait till chapter 17. And here's, here it is. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal. And verse three, he says, okay, no, and to heal. I want you to notice the last word of that sentence is heal. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal. And this word heal, earlier he said, and to cure disease. Power and authority over all demons and to cure disease. And now he says, to preach the kingdom of God and to heal. The word for cure disease, yours might even say heal, and the word that he uses at the end of verse 2 to heal are two different words in the Greek, two entirely different words. Okay, we talked about the one therapeuo for cure. That means to properly restore something to its previous state. But when we're healed, we're not restored to our previous state. We're restored to our kingdom state, to life in Christ. Wow, there's so much there. I've got way too many verses to cover. In these nine, I've got way too many verses to cover tonight. I can tell you that already. Um, So the word, what's the Greek word here to heal? This Greek word is, it's a little harder to pronounce, um, but it is... uh, Iomahi, Iomahi. Okay, now it's spelled I-A-O-M-A-I. Iomahi is how I believe it's said. Iomahi in the Greek. What does that mean? This is literally what it means. It means a supernatural healing that calls attention to God. That's what that word means. A supernatural healing that calls attention and glory to God. That's totally different than just curing, than just thinking of curing a disease. So we see now that the essence of the kingdom of God is about healing. 
healing not just from sin and, and he, healing not just from pain and loss, but healing to something. And that something is the life of God that we have been called to partake in as Christian believers to partake in through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, through the infilling, indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit, through the sacramental life of the body of Christ, all different ways that we participate in the life of Christ, through the reading and the studying and the, and the, the, the meditating of the word. Remember, I'm going to pick up my book of prayer here, call you back to something I prayed with you in the beginning. It said, uh, give us grace to behold you, Lord God. Give us grace to behold you present in your word, okay, well, as we're studying, and sacraments. And to recognize you in the lives of those around us. That was from the prayer from the Book of Common Prayer, evening prayer that I read earlier. To realize what that's saying, to recognize God in those around us. Human beings are the highest order of God's creation. And in every human being, no matter how different they are from us, no matter how wicked they may be, in every human being, there is the underlying image of God, the imago dei, as it says in Latin, the image of God. It's marred, it's covered, it's hidden by sin and by human frailty and weakness from the fall of humanity. But that is healed in Christ. Wow, there's so much I could go into there. We could, we could do a whole series on that. And, 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 and we well should someday. But, but I want you to see something here. Really want you to get a glimpse of this tonight. That the mission of the twelve was a twofold mission. The mission of the twelve wasn't just to heal the soul wasn't just to pronounce Jesus saves, now you all can go to eternal life if you'll just believe. It wasn't for that. It was to heal their bodies too. It was to cure diseases. It was a two-fold mission. And I've got some words at the end of our lesson tonight too specifically to the church. I don't know who will ever hear this, but I want churches, leaders, ministers, pastors, I want everyone to wake up and, and understand this twofold mission. Because we can't have one without the other. Christ cared for the people. He cared for their pain. He cared for their heartaches. He cared for their diseases. He cared for their uh, poverty. He cared about all these things. And he sent his apostles with his power and his authority sharing in it to care for those things and to show how much God cares for those things. And by the way, God is inviting you into the kingdom of God, which is essence is real healing. So there's so much. If you preach only a gospel that is, that is a, uh, so, so what we see here is kind of a social gospel. Uh, 
caring for their poverty, caring for their weakness, caring for their uh, frailties and, and all of these things in a physical way. That's beautiful and that's good and it's right here and they are sent out to do it. But that's not the whole message. That's only part of the message because they must preach the gospel of healing spiritually in the soul too. And if you have one without the other, the church is out of balance. So, more on that in a little bit. Um, how does he send them? I think we need to talk a little bit about how he sends them. Everybody good so far? Any questions on the kingdom of God concept that I'm putting out there? As I said in the beginning, you don't have to, you don't have to believe me. God just called me to preach it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach it. Any, any questions? Um, stop for a beverage break. By the end of the day, <clears throat> my throat, it takes a toll on me. I talk too much. I was told that when I was a kid. I talk too much. When I was a little boy, there was a man in the church where I was just real little, like, I don't know, eight years old, five, eight years old, something like that. And he said to my mother, is that boy going to be either a preacher or a politician? <laughs> well, I tried politics first and I lost. Boy, am I thankful I lost. So now I'm a preacher. The guy was right. It took me 30-some years to figure that out, but he was right. Okay, Kim, it says, hearing also has to be in our heart, as it says in healing. I'm sorry, healing also has to be in our heart, as it says in Matthew. True. Okay, I think you're agreeing with me there, right, Kim? Thank you for commenting on that. Healing has to be in our heart. That's where our soul resides. Okay, it can't just be can't just be physical. It can't just be worldly. It, it has to be soul deep. Okay, and the true healing of God is soul deep. Yes, thank you. I heard you right. And we'll see that even greater when we get to Luke 17. Wow, I, I don't, I don't want to give away that story, but but I want to talk a little bit about I want to talk a little bit about how Jesus sent them. What was their mission? Their mission was to go, and he said, take nothing with you. No, I mean, I mean nothing. Can you imagine them? All, they're on a hillside. They're in Galilee on one of the hillsides. You know, it's such a beautiful area. And you're looking out over the Sea of Galilee and it's beautiful, sunny. The weather's always a nice climate there. I mean, it's one of my favorite places on earth. I've often said that if America ever falls, I'm going to go live in Tiberias where I can just give me an apartment. It looks right over the Sea of Galilee. It's so beautiful. Um, but uh, I'm thankful to be here. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but he sent them out. They're there, and he says, take, go. You can, you can just picture him saying, go. Okay, go now. Those are your orders. They don't have time to go home and pack. They're not going to pack a lunch. They're not going to pack clothes. They can't take an extra coat. They only could take whatever they had with them. And that was provision enough. No If they had a staff, great, you can take it with you. You got your walking stick, you know. If you have a bag, okay, you can take that with you, but you're not going to go get one. Whatever they had. They went. I think there's a powerful message here. And that message is very much needed by the church today, by Christians and by the church today. And it's the essence of what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew when he said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and you can't serve money. You can't serve God and you can't serve the world. You either trust in God and serve him only, or you don't trust in God. And you're really not serving him. That's what Jesus is saying. So he wants them to learn as he goes, as they go out. 
they can't, they're going to have to totally 100% rely on the generosity of the people whom they encounter, wherever the villages they go to, as God provides through those people. And he tells them, you just go and whatever house you enter, and just so you know, they can't just go into a village and look for the, well, they can't just look for the best houses and the best places to stay. He says, wherever you go, and when you enter, whatever house you enter, and you can bet they didn't enter the rich houses first. Those are hard to get into. They would much more be welcomed in the poor houses. And so he says, whatever house you enter, though, that's where you're going to stay. And you're going to stay there until your work is done in that city, in that village. And he says, because he goes on, he says, you notice it says, and from there you will depart. So when they leave the village, they're going to depart. My mother, Neva, is watching. Thank you, Mom. That is so special. She got on here live with me. My mom lives in Newton, and uh, she's, uh, she's a special lady, uh, 91 years old, and doing fantastic. Love you, Mom. Thanks for joining me. We're teaching in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. So Jesus says he sends them out, and they have to get there. So when they get to these villages, and when they, 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 they're doing these miracles, and they're, they're ministering and they're preaching the good news of the kingdom. It says when they, if, if the people receive you, you, you know that's where you're going to stay. But if they don't receive you, he gives them a command here. If they don't receive you, here's what you're going to do. When you leave there, they're going to go to another house, find somebody that receives them. But when you leave that town, you're going to shake the dust off of your feet as you leave that town. What's Jesus doing here? That's a, that's a idiomatic expression because it was really a tradition of the Hebrew people. All through these times, Joan, McMinimies are in, hey, good to have you, Joan and Kit. When the Hebrew children of God and the Jews had carried over into the Jewish people of the kingdom time, when they, if they had to walk through a Gentile land like Samaria or, or somewhere, anywhere, if they had to go out into Gentile territory, First of all, they tried not to do that, but if they had to, when they stepped foot back onto Jewish soil, into Israel, they would literally wipe off their feet, shake off the dust of that Gentile land because those people are the people that have rejected God. And they knew, they of course saw themselves as the, 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 uh, the promised people of God and those Gentiles are out. Now, we know as the story progresses, the Gentiles are actually in. You and I are those Gentiles. But uh, for now, he's telling them, he's letting them understand. He's not telling them to be mean to Gentiles or to be mean to the people in this village. He's telling them, he's teaching them that people are either in or they're out in the kingdom of God. And if they're not in, you've done your part. You preached, you healed, you taught, you loved, you showed compassion. But if they're not in, they're not in. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. That's a powerful message. And uh, I'm, not sure we, I'm not sure we understand that in our world today. Um, I think for the better part of a century anyway, and the better part of my lifetime, which isn't a century, it's half a century, um, the church of Jesus Christ has been busy compromising with the world. Not shaking the dust off its feet and standing up for the truth. 
We've been compromising with the world. And we can do, we can stand for the truth without being mean, without being, I'm not talking about ostracizing. I'm not talking about building walls. I'm not talking about uh, acting like we're holier than thou. I'm not talking about what the Jewish people ended up doing. I'm just talking about standing up for the truth of the gospel and preaching the gospel and recognizing that we cannot compromise with the world. We've got to shake the dust of the world off our feet. We can't serve two masters. And these apostles had to learn this right out of the gate, their very first mission. And as I told you, the mission of the 12 is the mission of us. The mission hasn't changed. The mission hasn't changed. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to channel my inner Steve Green here, okay? The, the mission hasn't changed. You remember the song he sang, you know? To love the Lord our God is the heartbeat of our mission. The springs from which our service overflows across the street or around the world. The mission's still the same. Proclaim and Live the truth in Jesus' name. That's my best Steve Green impersonation. That, that's pretty poor. Um, but the mission, it's the mission of us. And, and we've got to embrace it. So, so what is all this doing? Uh, it says that they departed. They went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. I mean, they just did amazing things. And we know it was amazing. You know, we don't know exactly what they did. Okay, we don't know if they raised a dead person or not. We don't know if they, they cured a leper or not. We know they healed. We know they did amazing things. They had the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. And I'm not forgetting that. I'm going to come back to that at the end. So they may well have raised the dead. We know they go on to. We know that Peter and, and Paul do later on. Um, so there's no reason to believe they didn't. Because whatever they did, it was so amazing. Herod the Tetrarch gets word of it. It's, it's Remember, they had no mass media. They had no form of communication except word of mouth. So send 12 guys in 12 different directions and go do what I do, what you've seen me do, and word will get around. That was Jesus' plan. That was his plan all along. And those 12 will make 12 more, and those 12 will make 12 more. And we read it in the Great Commission. By the time we get down to the end of Jesus' earthly time, and before he goes back into heaven... He says, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them as I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, the kingdom of God, preaching the kingdom of God. Herod hears about the kingdom of God. He's hearing stories that are sh- got him shaking in his boots, okay? Who is Herod? Herod the Tetrarch. This is this is the ruler of this area, the, 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 the Tetrarch. It means he was, a, he was like a, a ruler, a, a king in his own mind, I'm sure, of, uh, of a fourth of the old kingdom of Herod the Great, which I think was his grandfather. I think if I got that right. Could be wrong on that. Um, Craig Brennis, thanks for joining us, buddy. I'm glad you're on, on tonight. So Herod the Tetrarch, he said this is the guy that put John the Baptist to death. Okay, Um, he was a very wicked man, a very sinful, wicked man, Uh, had absolutely no uh, right to be a king other than he 
him and his grandfather and all those before him in that uh, Herod family, they, they were in buddies with the Romans and would sell out their own Jewish people for wealth and power. And so Herod, the wicked man that he is, having already put John to death, it says here in verse 7 that when he heard about all that was done, he was perplexed. Perplexed. What's he perplexed about? He thought he took care of all this Messiah talk when he killed John the Baptist. Now he's a little bit worried because he thinks, hmm, some people are saying this might be John the Baptist raised from the dead. Others are saying this might be Elijah. See, there was a prophecy to go back to, uh, it's, uh, it's Malachi, I think. I, can't, I don't have the chapter and verse here, but I believe it's in Malachi. Is it Malachi? Yeah, pretty sure it is. The prophecy that Elijah would come before the Messiah came. That Elijah would come back. We remember Messiah, Elijah was the prophet, the great prophet of God who was taken up in a whirlwind in a chariot of fire into heaven. He did not experience death on this earth, but was translated into heaven through that chariot of fire uh, in, the, in the presence of his own protege, Elisha. And, and so there was always this belief by the Jewish people from this prophecy in Malachi that, that Elijah would return. So today, at a Jewish Passover dinner, at the Seder Supper, there's always a place set at the table for the prophet Elijah. It's an empty chair in the empty place setting, and it's always the doors left open because they believe that before, before Messiah can come, Elijah must come. Well, Jesus taught us that John the Baptist filled that role. We, we actually know that. We heard that earlier in our studies in Luke. If Jesus said, if you will, you know, he is Elijah. Um, so he wasn't talking about reincarnation. There's no, the Bible doesn't teach reincarnation. He was talking about the, the spiritual role of John the Baptist is to be the forerunner as Elijah was right before the Messiah. There'd be no others after John the Baptist. The last prophet of the old covenant was John the Baptist. Some would say he was the greatest. And John the Baptist, upon his death, old covenant, prophecy ends. And Jesus is the Messiah. And Herod doesn't know what to think. And so it says here, um, maybe there's one of the other prophets have risen. Everybody's, he, he says, I know, verse nine, I know I behead John, I beheaded. But who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. Herod knows there's a threat. He's not seeking Jesus because he wants to believe. He's seeking Jesus because he has heard of the mighty, powerful acts of God that are happening. And he needs to understand what's happening. And he, I'm no doubt, us to put an end to it. So we've come through nine verses, <clears throat> and I want to I want to read to you a passage, and I'll always do this, but I want to read to you a passage from a Bible commentator that I deeply respect of the last century. His name was William Barclay, a minister of the Church of Scotland, voluminous writer, um, daily study Bible series is incredible. He says this, and I, I, I think this is a word to us today. It's a little bit lengthy, but hang in there with me. He says, um, 
The one thing which stands out about the ministry that Jesus laid upon the twelve is this. Over and over and again, in this short passage, it joins preaching and healing. It joins the concern for men's bodies and men's souls. It was something which did not deal only in words, however comforting, it dealt in deeds. And that is huge. That is just huge. He goes on to say, It was a message which was not confined to news of eternity. It proposed to change conditions on earth. I'm hearing the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He said it proposed to change conditions on earth. It was the reverse of a religion of, quote, pie in the sky. It insisted that health to men's bodies, and by men he's antiquated, he means human race, men and women. He insisted that health to men's bodies was an integral part of God's purpose as health to their souls. And here's, here's a big word of warning, and boy, if I watched this come true, and this was written in the 1950s, it's all come true. He says, nothing has done the church more harm than the repeated statement that the things of this world do not matter. In the middle 1930s of our own times, he says, there was great unemployment, an unemployment which invaded respectable and decent homes. The father's skill was rusting in idleness. The mother was trying to make a shilling to do what a pound ought to do. Children could not understand what was going on except that they went hungry. He's British, Scottish, so he, the, the shilling and the pound can happen in America too. Um, he, he said, children could not understand what was going on except that they went hungry. Men grew bitter and grew duly broken. So to go and tell such people that material things makes no difference was an unforgivable thing, especially if the teller was in reasonable comfort himself. And he gives a wonderful example of General Booth. Now, General Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. He says, General Booth was once blamed for offering food and meals to poor people instead of just offering the simple gospel. Well, the old warrior General Booth flashed back, quote, it is impossible to comfort men's hearts with the love of God when their feet are perishing with cold. Well, that's good. Of course, it is possible to overstress material things, Barclay warns. And that's what I was talking about earlier in the out of balance. When the church just becomes all about the social gospel and is not really preaching the good news, well, we're out of balance. For, for closing sentence here. But it is equally possible, he said, of course it is possible to overstress material things, but it is equally possible to neglect them. The church will forget only at her peril that Jesus first sent out his men to preach the kingdom and to heal, to save men in body and in soul. I don't know about you, but I, I hear that. I hear that as a word to the wise. I hear that as a word of warning to the church. I hear it as a warning to all of us who are the church, who are ministers in the church. And by minister, I don't mean just pastor or priest. I mean, we're all ministers of the gospel. And we must be about 
preaching the good news that Christ came to heal body and soul. Well, there is so much that we've talked about. What is it? It's 721. I don't want to keep you any longer, but I am so, so thankful to have you on this Bible study tonight. So as you know, this Bible study used to be Thursday mornings at 11 o'clock. I was off for 11 weeks. Long time. Missed it. Hated to be off so much. Um, But uh, with sickness and surgeries and all that and and getting the new year going. But but in my my work as a bivocational pastor, a bivocational evangelist, I... uh, have a lot of duties that keep changing in the daytime. So we're doing this on Wednesday evening because I like to be in the church on Wednesday night teaching. So I'm going to put these two birds into one nest here and do Brad Riley Ministries Bible Study that's been going on since 2014. And I'm going to do it in the church sanctuary, that beautiful sanctuary at Utah United Methodist Church, except when it's so cold out. I'm doing it in my basement right now. So, uh, I don't know where we'll be next week. It sounds like it's really going to be cold through the middle of next week. But uh, you don't have to worry about that because you can watch me right here. But when we do get back into uh, Craig's, don't feel sorry you got online. You can always go back and watch the video and catch up or listen to it on podcast. But just glad you're here. Um, so set it in your day timers or phone records or whatever to 630. Um you know, I do, I do want to get back in the church. And, and, you know, when we do get back in the church and the weather gets a little better, hey, you know what? You're welcome. If you're within driving distance, come on down. I, we do have masks. We practice social distancing. All that's getting better and better as people get vaccinated. It will get better because I want to say a word here. I'm going to use this little pulpit, whatever this is that I have tonight. Uh, uh, Diana, thank you for being here. Uh, I'm so glad Diana's in on this too. I want to say this. I love technology. I love the fact that churches that were never online before are online now. This is all good that has come out of this pandemic. But I'm going to say it. God, it is not God's plan for people to always be wearing masks and to always be socially distant. We'll do it as good citizens and as people that love and care for others as long as we have to. But it is not God's plan. So we need to not live in fear of this virus. I've had this virus. Praise God I lived through it. And, and everyone in my family lived through it. And if, you're, if you have someone in your family that did not, my heart breaks for you. But let us not forget that somebody's always dying of something and we're all going to die. But because every time, it, from now on, every time a new virus comes along, we cannot go crawl under a rock and live in fear. It is Satan, then it becomes Satan's tool to keep the church down, even though it's on the airwaves. Because what is missed? Here's what's missed. When we're not in the same room together, there is a different dynamic. It's missing. The human being was created by God for touch, not for six feet apart. The human race would have died out if that was the case. It would have died out not being trying to be facetious, you know, because there would be no procreation. But I'm saying it would have died out because, I mean, how many viruses and how many bugs and how many diseases and how many germs have been in this world for thousands and thousands of years since creation fell? And it hasn't killed out the human race yet. Yeah, there have been plagues and it's killed off a lot of them. Mickey, thanks for joining us tonight. It's killed off a lot of them, but... 
That will happen again. That will always happen. But God's grace is with us. We'll we'll be wise. So if you come down to the Utah United Methodist Church and hang out with us on a Wednesday night, as soon as we get back in there and get a break on this cold weather, which I'm anticipating within two weeks, um, because the groundhog told us we had six more weeks of winter. I don't care whether he sees his shadow or not. It seems like there's always six more weeks of winter. Um, but, but I really do. I want to get back in the church sanctuary. And I want to invite you to come down and join us on a Wednesday night because there's just a dynamic to being together. I, I can't hear your voices. I get some amens here and I had uh, some comments and questions. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But so much more can happen when people are together in church. So much so that it's written in God's word. Do not forsake the assembling together as is the habit of some, even in Jesus' day, even in Scripture's day, that people say, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to get together with God's people. Don't do it. It says, instead, get together and encourage each other all the more as you see the day drawing near. That means as we know the day of Christ is coming nearer and nearer, and it is coming nearer and nearer all the time. Well, what a joy it's been to be with you tonight. Um, Wow, I just want to pray. I want to pray for you. Uh, I want to pray for this Bible study. I want to pray for your wherever. You, I know there's people on this call from so many different churches and backgrounds. I, I, I've seen on this very call tonight, we've, we have Methodists, Nazarenes, Catholics, probably some non-denominationals. I don't know what else we have. And, I, and I'm thrilled by that. Absolutely thrilled by that. Um, because there's only one church. There's only one God. There's only one church, one Lord, one faith. You heard the words of the Apostle Paul, one faith, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father of us all. And that's who we're studying tonight. That's who we're worshiping tonight. This sweet hour of prayer that we've had, that we we ask the Lord to inhabit our reading of his word and to inhabit our discussion of his word and to inhabit our meditation of his word, that we would be transformed into his likeness and that he will be glorified. Well, Will you bow your heads wherever you are and just allow me the privilege to pray a prayer of blessing over you, okay? And then I'll see you Sunday morning at 9.30 right here on this phone. But I'll be on Sunday morning on the Udall United Methodist Facebook page. I wish I could stream to two at once, but I can't. But, uh, well, there's probably a way, but I don't know how to do it. But, But let me pray for you right now. Father God, Thank you for everyone who's been on this video Bible study. Thank you for everyone who will ever listen to it. Cover over anything that I've said that is wrong. Do not let anyone be led astray by it. But in your sovereign power and great love, let anything I have said that is right be just enriched in their lives, inspiring their hearts, drawing them closer to you, empowering them for a life of love and service to God, you are God, and to others, to everyone around us. And I pray these blessings upon those, anyone that is sick, Lord, would you touch and heal. I pray for healing right here tonight in this class. I pray for healing in this Bible study. I'm thinking of Father Richard. Father Richard is a, is a is a man I've never met. He's in a, he's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I don't know that he's on this Bible study at all. Uh, Father Richard, I've corresponded with him on Facebook. I, I just we became kindred souls. He's an Anglican priest, and Father Richard, 
fell oh, a few weeks ago, had a horrible concussion, bleeding, and he's had horrible uh, complications, but he's hanging in there, and I'm praying for his physical healing and soon healing, that it wouldn't take six months or a year to, to, to improve his concussion. For he, he, I know how bad he wants to be in ministry uh, full-time and, and in full strength. So, Father God, I pray for Father Richard's healing. I pray for the healing of anyone on this call who is suffering, who is hurting, who has a need. We have a whole wall of prayer of needs at, at the Udall Church, and we just want to pray for each one of them. We remember them in our hearts tonight. We pray for our families. We pray for our, all the relationships in our, in our families. God, just be sovereign over us and help us and grow us in your strength and in your love and in your grace and your mercy. So be with us now as we say with one voice to all these things, amen, amen, amen. And bless these people now in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you, Father, and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever, and unto the ages of ages. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining me. See you soon. Keep talking on Facebook. I love it. Bye. Well, that's all we have time for today. If this episode has been a blessing to you, I hope you'll subscribe and join me again on this journey. If you have a question or a comment, please feel free to offer it here or contact me directly at bradreillyministries.org. I'd love to visit with you personally about your spiritual journey. Thanks again for listening, and let's keep seeking to have the Spirit of Christ formed within us. God bless you.